You're listening to the First Baptist Rockdale Sunday Sermons Podcast. First Baptist Rockdale is a church dedicated to making disciples who make disciples. We hope you enjoy this week's message. We are going to be going through the book of Hebrews uh, from now, basically through the fall, until we get right up until the Christmas season. If you want to know where Hebrews is, again, this is my Bible. This is the back right here, so we're pretty far back there. Uh, The last sermon I preached was on the book of Philemon. It's literally the next book after Philemon uh, is Hebrews. Uh, It's after all Paul's letters, the 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Got a bunch of littler ones in there, the Timothys, the Tituses, uh, and then eventually you reach the book of Hebrews. It's not super tiny. If you get to the Johns and the Peters, you've gone a little too far. If you get to Revelation, you need to turn back. Okay, go back uh, just a little bit to get to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews is placed where it is in the Bible um, because we don't know who wrote it. Um, You may not know this, or maybe it's been a while since you've thought about how the Bible was structured. Um, It's not chronological. Um, The books aren't aren't in the order that they were written. They're kind of grouped together to help you understand what they are. And so, you know, we have the four Gospels at the beginning to tell the story of Jesus. We have the book of Acts, which is history. And then we have a group of like 12 letters by the Apostle Paul, um, which starts with the book of Romans, goes all the way through the book of Philemon. Uh, and, and you have those all grouped together because they were all written by Paul. And then we have the book of Hebrews right after that because we're like, we don't know what to do with it. Uh, Hebrews could have been written by the Apostle Paul. Hebrews could have been written by a hundred other people. We don't know who wrote the book of Hebrew. In fact, I was reading a commentator, uh, and it says, God only knows who wrote the book of Hebrew, and that's about right. There's a lot of evidence. If we get to the end of the book of Hebrews, and I hope that we will one day get to the end of the book of Hebrews, you'll see a mention of Timothy, which was a close companion of Paul. But Timothy was well-known beyond just Paul. So um, it's tough to say who wrote it, and it's tough to say even who exactly it was written too, but what we do know uh, is that God has preserved this for us. God has left this for us, uh, encapsulated it into his holy word for your benefit. And so we may not know exactly who the book of Hebrews was written to. And while we may not know exactly who wrote the book of Hebrews, what you do know is that the book of Hebrews was specifically written for you. It's for you. You, the church member in 2021 at First Baptist Rockdale, the person coming in just just to hear a little bit from what God has to say in his word, God is speaking to you. And the book of Hebrews deals with a variety of themes. One of those is the supremacy of Jesus Christ, how Jesus is above all, better than all, over all. Uh, And then he also deals with the idea of falling away, how to hold fast to Jesus uh, and not to let go of Jesus when the world draws us away. But today, as we begin, we'll do the whole first chapter of Hebrews today. Uh, What we're dealing with is part of that supremacy of Jesus, that Jesus is better than other things out there. You know, one of the things that, that I think we struggle with as Christians, one of the things I think we struggle with as people, is we settle too much. Right, We settle too much. Some of you are looking at your spouse right now being like, they settled, right? You didn't settle, they settled, right? I look at my wife sometimes and I'm like, whoo, she settled, right? I, I was 19 years old when I proposed to my wife because that was the peak Matt Higginbotham. It has only been downhill since I was 19 years old. It has not gone uphill since then. I am not better looking now than I was when I was 19 years old. In fact, there's a picture of me from like, 
I don't know, 10 years ago now, in my house, and people come to my house, and they look at and say, who is Danielle with in that photo? All right, I mean, it is, uh, but, but I knew that I had to lock her down soon because I was not going to be getting any better. And I knew that I was not going to settle with who I was going to spend my life with. I did well for myself. Pray for my wife. She struggles sometimes with settling. But I think we all can settle sometimes. We can all have, we have, we have hopes or dreams or ambitions or goals or we have uh, this God-driven drive, this God-given drive inside of us to go and to do. And somewhere along the way, we just kind of settle. Nine to five, 40 hours a week, get the kids through school, get to retirement, get to the, get to the cemetery. We just kind of settle through life. And it's not that we intended to settle. It's just life has a way of jumping on us and surrounding us with everything and distracting us from ultimately what I think God has told you to do. I am firmly convinced that inside of the church of Jesus Christ in the United States of America, where I have ministered my entire life, one of the major problems in the church is we have settled for some lesser dream than what God has given to you. What God has put on your heart is not what you have pursued. And so you've settled for something else. And it's not all bad things, right? Having a, having a home or having a family or having a career, those are good things. I'm not, I'm not down on those, but we settle and we give away God's plans. If we were to, to go back to the moment of your conversion or early on in your discipleship process of being a follower of Jesus, and we said, where, uh, where are you going to be used by God? How are you going to serve God in your life? Right? And, and you begin to draw out what you believe God is calling you to do. And then you fast forward 20, 30, 40 years and you look back at what happened to your life. I think a lot of us are, are the seed that gets thrown in the thorns. And we sprout up with joy, we get choked out by the world. And we settle for lesser things. I want to tell you something, we should not be settling as Christians for what God has given to you to do. What God has commanded you to do, specifically, what God has put on your heart to do, is not what he put on your wife's heart, it's not what he put on your kid's heart, and he's not what he put on the heart of the person in front of you. It is a specific calling that God has given to you. You say, Matt, I wasn't called to ministry. Uh, uh, yes, you were, by the way, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. You were called to ministry. You may not have been called to 40 hours a week, full-time ministry, dedicated to the church or overseas as an evangelist or a missionary somewhere. That may not be your calling, but if God has called you to salvation... God has called you to ministry. And settling for something else and making something else the bigger thing is sin. Right? right. Allowing something else to become bigger than that is sin. And so as we look at the book of Hebrews, guys, I want you to know um, that, that I'm tired of us settling. I'm tired of, of settling for something lesser when there's something greater out there, And this is what the book of Hebrews says as we begin in verse 1 of chapter 1. It says, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. 
But in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. I want to start here. Uh, the, the author begins by laying out the work and person of Jesus Christ because he wants you to know him before we learn about him. Guys, guys Jesus is better. He was the long prophesied one that prophets had foretold for, for, for centuries prior to his arrival. He was much awaited and he was greater than people expected him to be. Right? Not only is he this one who, who, who fully completes our reconciliation, which is a massive deal, that Christ completed the purification for your sins. Every sin you've committed from the day that you, you first chose to do wrong until the day that God calls you home, Christ purified you from. What an amazing work he did on the cross to die for your sins, to make a propitiation for your sins, to make a way for you to be found righteous through him. What an amazing thing he did on the cross. But he's not just the one who purifies us from our sins. He's the one who upholds the very universe by the word of his power. You understand that? That, that without Christ's volitional power choosing to do so, this universe that seems so vast, right? this universe that seems so big, would just cease to exist. All of the forces that we, we struggle to understand, right? That science dives in and tries to pull back to see the hand of God working and how all of creation is held together. In an instant, if Christ decided to cease holding the universe together, it would be as if it never were. Right? He is not just another guy who happened to do this thing better than you're doing it. Right? Sometimes I think we over-humanize Jesus. Sometimes we, we, we can go the other way. Sometimes we over-humanize Jesus. We're like, Jesus is like a really good preacher. Right? Like, not like Matt, who, who's broken and sinful and messed up, but Jesus is like a really good one. Like he says good things, and he never messes up. And we kind of ignore like how big of a deal that is. We're like, you know, he never messes up, and then we kind of keep talking about what else he does. Oh, he can heal, and he can do this, and he can do that. Right? But he's not just kind of like you, but like on steroids, like I was for the first three days of this week. I'm jacked up right now. Right? I texted Braden Bird, and he said, I said, well, I'm on some steroids now. And he said, just don't come to church in a muscle shirt. I said, no promises. <laughs> right? No promises. Who knows? Who knows? Not yet. Not yet. I didn't eat for like four days, so I'm getting better in some of these areas here too. But, right? but I mean, like, like, Jesus isn't just like your ideal person, whoever that is, plus something else. He's other than you. He's other than whoever the best person is in your world. Whoever it is that you look up to, whoever it is that you admire, he's better than 
that. I think one of the ways that we find ourselves settling at times inside of the Christian life is because we, we, we begin to misunderstand how vastly greater than us Jesus is. And he is human. I mean, Hebrews is going to emphasize that in like two chapters about how important it is that he is indeed human because that's the way he was able to, to make purification for your sins. The way he was able to, to make you right with God was that he was human. That was a necessary part of who he was, but he wasn't just that. He wasn't just kind of like you. He was other than as well. And that other than should pull our eyes back a little bit and recognize that, that while there's other people in the world who may teach good things, who may say good things, who may direct us in good directions, no one can compare to Jesus. He is incomparable. And so when we begin to put other people up there kind of with Jesus, like, oh yeah, Jesus is here, but like, you know, my grandma always said, like, your grandma was probably great. But my grandma is wonderful, but pray for my grandma. She's in the hospital right now. I love my grandmother. She's in the hospital right now. She's got COVID and a, and a, and a bladder infection at the same time. Uh, and, and so she's, she's struggling right now. I talked to her yesterday afternoon, and uh, she's a little confused and just, just tore up. Can't have family in the hospital right now with her because of the COVID side, I guess. I don't really know. It seems stupid to me. Um, regardless of that, like your grandmother, my, grand, my grandmother helped pay my way through seminary. She has been a blessing to me. She, she writes checks to this church to help fund the ministry of this church because she believes in the ministry of this church because her grandson is the pastor. What a wonderful woman. I, I, I could hold her up uh, for forever, showing great things that she said and done and directed uh, and how wonderful it is that I was blessed to have her as my grandmother. But my grandmother is not in the tier with Jesus. She's in the tier with me and I'm not in a very good tier. I mean, she's better than me, for all I can tell. right? But she's with me down there. And when we elevate these people up, we begin to settle for other people's wisdom and other people's direction as if it's equal to God's direction. I've said this before. Uh, I love my father as well. I guess I should say that whenever I'm about to bash him. Um, <laughs> I do. I love my dad. Uh, and he helped also direct me in my, in, my, in my call to ministry. When I got called to ministry, I was 18 years old when I surrendered to the ministry. It was Senior Recognition Sunday, my senior Sunday. I walked the aisle. My now father-in-law was the man who met me at the front of the, front of the thing and, and talked to me about it. We, he already knew what was going on in my life because I've been dating his daughter for two years. And uh, I said, man, this is what God's calling me to do. And so I told my dad, and my dad's like, Matt, that's great. That's wonderful. I'm excited for you. And I said, well, thank you, Dad. And so I went to Houston Baptist University to study. And he said, and my dad said, well, what are you, you going to study at HBU? You have to double major. I said, I'm going to major in psychology because I'm going to be working with people, and people are crazy, and i got to know how to deal with them. Right? So I'm going to study in psychology, and then I'm going to study Christianity because I need to know more about this thing if I'm going to stand up before people uh, and proclaim God's truth. And he said, my dad's like, hold on a second. Both of those degrees are worthless, son. He ain't wrong. Uh, a bachelor's degree in psychology is worthless. You got to get a master's degree, and then you got to through a certain number of hours to get your LPC, right? And then if you really want to make money, you got to go get your, your, your PhD so you can be a psychiatrist somewhere, or I guess that's an MD technically to be a psychiatrist. Psychologist will be a PhD, right? So you've got to actually do all this extra school. He's like, that's a worthless degree, son. So why don't you not do that and do business? 
And I was like, well, because people are crazy, and I'm going to be dealing with people, Dad, because I'm going to be a preacher. And he said, no, I understand what you're saying. And he got real serious with me. He said, son, I've, I've, been, I've been alive for a long time. I was like, yes, you have. <laughs> and he said, he said, I just think you, need to, I think you need to understand, I know a lot of unemployed ministers. I know a lot of unemployed ministers. And so I looked at my dad, who was in the software business, worked for BMC Software, and I looked at him straight in his eyes at 18 years old with all the arrogance that an 18-year-old has, and I said, Dad, I bet you know a lot more unemployed software engineers than I did what God called me to do. It's not that I don't love my dad. It's not that I don't respect my dad. It's that when it came to the, the, the priority that God had put on my life, other people's words were not given equal weight with what God had called me to do. And a lot of people have been watered down, had the fire that God has put in their hearts, tamped out and uh, put out by well-meaning people who just want to be practical. But guys, following Jesus isn't a matter of practicality. It's a matter of obedience to the one who bought you with his blood. And settling for something else is sin. And so I said, no, Dad, I'm not going to do that. And I mean, like, would it help sometimes to have a business degree inside of a church? Maybe. Yeah. I get the, like, the finance reports for the church, and it takes me, like, I have to read it, to look at it again. Like, okay, now I can talk about it. Like, my mind doesn't think that way. But, you know, there's a lot of crazy people I deal with. <laughs> right? There's a lot of crazy people I deal with. And I'm okay with that. It's helped me. But I knew what God had called me to do. And so I wasn't going to listen to a lesser person than the one who called me to a greater purpose. And I think some of us, we just, we, we, we've listened to the wrong voices too long. Instead of listening to the one who made purification for our sins, we listen to the one who, who genuinely cares about us that, here on earth. But the problem with people here on earth we're all kind of broken vessels. My best advice is still not perfect. It's just not. Unless I'm literally reading you from God's word, but I'm, I'm a pretty broken vessel. So guys, don't settle for the advice of other people. Not to say don't get it, because you need it. But if someone is telling you something that goes in direct contradiction what God has put in your heart to do, do what God has called you to do. But the story, the book of Acts, right? And they, they heal the heal the man. Uh, I guess it's Peter and John heal the man. They get taken to taken before the Jewish court and about to get beaten or whatever. And the guy's healed. He's been, he hadn't been able to walk forever. Now he's able to walk. And uh, and they say, you've got to stop talking about Jesus. And they say, look, you decide whether it's right for you to obey God or man. But as for us, we're going to keep telling about what we've seen and what we've experienced. Guys, the call to serve Jesus is bigger 
than, than, than this call to settle that the world around us has before us. Verse 5, For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you? Or again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. None of the angels he said that to. And again, verse 6, When he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, Let all God's angels worship him. Of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds and ministers a flame of fire. But of the sun, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and you've hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. And you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning in the heavens and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will all wear out like a garment, like a robe. You will roll them up like a garment. They'll be changed, but you are the same, and your years will have no end. And to which of the angels did he ever say, sit at my right hand until I make my enemies a footstool at your feet? None of them, by the way. Are they not all just ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation. So, so not only do we have to recognize that, that Christ is the one who uh, fully completed our reconciliation, therefore he is of a different class than, than the best mother's wisdom that we have in our world. Not only is Christ better than all the people around you and the call that Christ superior to the call around you, he's superior to these angels as well. We have a weird view of angels in, in contemporary culture, right? We're, we're, I don't know what, what messed us up. Maybe all dogs go to heaven. That's what I blame most bad angel theology on, by the way. Um, right, right? They got dogs and they're, like, there's, there's like clouds and harps and when you die, you become a a dog with wings. Like, what a, what a weird concept that is, right? You're not an angel. Right? You may call, oh, my little angel, but they're not an angel. First of all, if you're holding a little one, and you're like, oh, what an angel, like, just hold them for another two years. Hold them for another two years. They're not an angel. Man, they are, they are, I'm not going to go there, but they're not an angel. Right? Like, uh, like I remember when Ezekiel came into our house, First, I got to add one on. I looked at this kid. This is a surreal experience for like foster adopting. I look at this little white kid. He's a tiny little two-month-old child, and he's sitting in the car seat, and CPS brings him over and puts him down uh, in the middle of my living room. That's weird. And then I look at that kid, and I'm like, that is not my kid. That's my first thought when I look at this child. Right, don't tell him that, by the way. That hurt his feelings. Right? Like I just I just look at him. Like, I don't know, I don't know how. I don't know how this is going to happen. Right? My wife immediately is like, oh, right, I've got a picture on her of her day one with Ezekiel. Not me. Not me. You fast forward 14 days though, totally different story. Right? And if you had told me 14 days afterward, like, hey, that child is going to be a little devil child in two years. I'd be like, not him. I mean, the other kids all were, but not this one. This one is just perfect. And now he's three. Yeah, he's three. Right? He knows where time out is. He's, like, he's three. He's every bit of three. He's not an angel. None of us are angels. We're broken people. 
But angels are, are, are there, there's this, this kind of mystique around angels. And in Hebrews, obviously, who is writing to, they have this real elevated view of angels. Man, the angels are so important. The angels serve, and they are. I mean, like they're ministering spirits. Right? They came and announced the birth of Jesus to Mary and to Joseph. Right? They, they, they go and they do whatever it is that God bids them to do. Right? But, but they're, they're a different class of people, a uh, different class different class of being would be a better way to say that instead of being imprecise. They're a different thing altogether than, than, than people. But Jesus is so much better than them. These things that we elevate up as if they're, you know, whatever, some sort of like thing, like, 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 like there's a look at the angels. No. Jesus, so much better. So much so that at the end he's like, look, technically the angels are really just doing God's work to bring you to salvation. Kind of a weird, weird idea, right? That God is using angels basically for your benefit, right? To benefit you so that you might know God through Jesus, experience salvation, that God is using them for your benefit, right? That means there's something special about you. That goes all the way back to Genesis when God made us in his image, right? That, that we have a special mark on us that makes us different than all everything else that God has ever created. So not only are the angels less than Jesus, in some ways they're, they're less than you. Now they're perfect, Right? They're, they're unfaltering in their obedience. We can learn something in that as we talk about settling today to, to do what God has called us to do. But Christ is greater than those angels. Christ, Christ is the one who makes reconciliation. He's better than your grandma. He's better than the angels. He's better than all powers in all of creation. So please, church, listen to him. Like, I can't tell you what God wants you to do. I mean, I, that's not true. I can tell you exactly what God wants you to do, right? God wants you to fulfill the great commandment and the great commission. God wants you to love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. God wants you to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, how that fleshes out, how you put meat on the bones of how to love your neighbor as yourself is the work that God is doing in your heart to make you into the image of Jesus Christ. It looks different for all of us. Now, now some things will be the same, right? Like, um, we're not throwing our dog poop into our neighbor's yard, right? That's not loving your neighbor as yourself. I use that as an example because I, I was... Never mind, that's later. Um, guys, like, like if God has called you, and if you've received salvation, I don't know if they... Maybe they didn't tell you this when you walked the aisle, but if you receive salvation, if God has called you to salvation, God has called you to a life of radical obedience through ministry. And that looks, like I said, it looks different. Not everyone's going to be doing what I'm doing. Not everyone's going to be doing, um, you know, what Billy Graham did or what some missionary, Lottie Moon, did overseas. God's not going to be, your, your life story is different because God has made you unique. The shape that God has built you to be fits a very specific purpose in God's kingdom. And so you may be at the right career. You may have the right nine-to-five job. You may be in the right spot, but you're not utilizing that spot in the right way. And instead of you know, leveraging where God has placed you, you're just getting to the end of the week. Just getting through the day. And then the next day. And someday in the future, right? We all have that day, whether it's retirement or the promotion or the whatever that's in front of us. Right? And for some of y'all, you've already retired. I don't know what the next day is after that. Like, specific birthdays? 
a date with the Joneses up there at Phillips and Lucky? I don't know. I don't know what the next, like the, the, the steps are for you that in your mind you say, well, that's what I'm going to do. Like I know for me, like I'm like, I've got to get Sierra. You in here, Sierra? Hey, Sierra. Uh, I've got to get Sierra, who's 17, ready to go to college and out of my house. That's my next major step in my life. She's 17, and she got to get out of my house. <laughs> I successfully got one out, I think. Right? Just five more to go. That's my next step. I see it. But if I get too caught up in that next major life step, I'm not going to be doing what God has actually called me to do. Right? Preparing her for real life is part of God's calling on my life, but that is not the full extent of what God has called me to do. Right? Completing another lesson plan is, is maybe part of what God has, has for you to do in your life today, but that's not the extent of what God is calling you to do. Right? You know, doing another job, working for another week, getting another paycheck, finding another vacation, those things are distractions from the purpose that God has in front of you. And if you've never sought out that purpose, this is a good day to start. To look at the other things that have gone, gotten your eyes distracted. Right? I really think Satan is a magician. Right? You know, it's follow the ball, follow the ball, and then he starts doing all this stuff over here. We're all looking over here, and then like the ball is all of a sudden in the back pocket. He's like, where'd the ball go? And we're like, I don't know, it's magic. He's like, mind freak. You're like, wow, what happened? Satan is perfectly happy to distract you with good things. Families, careers, hobbies, interests. He's perfectly happy for you to distract away all of your years until you go and meet Jesus face to face. But God has called you to something better. Right? If he is this one who is greater than angels, if he is this one who is the long prophesied one who holds the universe together and brings reconciliation and forgiveness for our sins, then we cannot settle for lesser things. We must have Jesus. You must have Jesus and seek his kingdom first. You know, we sang, we sang that today. I have decided to follow Jesus, right? That, well, usually that's a hymn of invitation sometimes. Uh, we, we gave you all four verses today. You know, no turning back. Right? Though none go with me, I'm still going to follow. No turning back. My cross I'll carry, follow me, Jesus. No turning back. The idea, right, the, the, the idea of the follower of Jesus is you press on towards what Jesus has called you to do. Because I can't do your job. I can't. God has not called me to do what God has called you to do. So church, I need you to do your job. And if you struggle with that, then I understand that. Like if you've been a Christian for 30, 40, 50 years, and you've never like pursued what God's calling you to do, I understand that that's hard just to turn the switch on and be like, okay, let's do this. That's what I do. I will help you to discern what it is that God is calling you to do. There may be trial and error. 
Maybe some things were like, hey, maybe God's doing it. And then you're like, that is not it. Like, okay. Duly noted. But doing nothing, the same nonsense that you're doing right now, it's sin. Unless it's what God has called you to be doing. Anything less than the obedience that God has called you to do is sin. And it's not okay. And we need to stop reveling in mediocrity and celebrating the status quo and accomplishments that do not matter. There's something better. Jesus is better. Let me pray.